Hello and welcome to Weekly MTG. I'm your host, Blake Rasmussen. I'm your co-host, Steve Sanu, and we have a very special guest here with us today. It's Ian Duke. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for absolutely. being here. We appreciate it. We brought Ian today because we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, there's quite a lot to unpack here. Uh, you know, there's there's a Mythic Championship coming up this weekend, yep. obviously. Uh, tune in to twitch.tv slash magic to check it all out. I know I will be. But uh, after that, there's another Mythic Championship coming up, and that's in London, yep. isn't it? So today what we're going to talk about, we're going to start by talking about some housekeeping with London. Mm -hmm. uh, London is happening towards the end of April, which it happens to be within that 8 to 12 week range away. And we've always said that we would talk about the format 8 to 12 weeks prior to an event. So that's what we're doing with London today. And we've got another little twist on it that we brought Ian in to fill us in on. And then we're going to announce some uh, products. Now, before we should do a little bit of expectation a little, setting. Yes, a little bit of expectation bit. setting. Uh, earlier this month, we've said, Mark Rosewater said that we would be announcing a product at the end of the February that would get people excited. That was an innovation product. Yes. Uh, we've got two very cool products to announce today, but they are not that product. Yeah. They aren't that thing. We're announcing some other things. Uh, these will be less surprising. Mm. Yes, <laughs> I would say that that's, yeah. that's the case. Uh, but we're going to talk about those towards the end of the show. We're going to talk about London first. And at the very end of the show, we've got a special preview of Mythic Championship 1 happening in Cleveland this, well, uh, this weekend as yes. well. Yes. Uh, so, you know, lots of great stuff to come on the show. Uh, and for those of you that are interested in hearing about that end of February announcement, I would recommend tuning in at the end Come of back February. Yes, <laughs> next week. Yeah. Next week. But hey, stay here. We've still got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Uh, let's start with the format for Mythic Championship London. So the weird thing about Mythic mm -hmm. Championship London is that it's happening pre-release weekend for War of the Spark. So what are we doing with that, Ian? Right, so because it's happening right around the release of War of the Spark, actually a week before with the pre-release weekend, uh, the limited format is actually going to be War of the Spark limited. So it'll almost be like a pre-release Mythic Championship in mm -hmm. a way. Although uh, they will be drafting normal, you know, normal drafts. Okay, so it'll be draft, not like sealed or pre-release packs Correct. or anything like that. Okay, right. but it'll be really exciting because it's basically the first time anybody's seeing the cards. Yeah, um, they'll only have been out for you know a couple days, basically. Mm -hmm. in terms of the spoilers, uh, the previous season, rather, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> um, the constructed format that weekend will be modern. Okay, but not using War of the Spark cards, and that's primarily just because right. of card availability and yeah. you know, lack of time to testing and that kind of thing. Yep, makes sense. So let's talk. Uh, that's a really tight time to have the pre-release weekend be a major event like a Mythic Championship. So um, let's talk about the previews leading up to that. So, ah, yes. yes. War of the Spark previews. That's more my area. <laughs> Ian's the expert on, on the formats and some of the testing we're going to do in London that we'll talk about in a second. Um, but for the previews, we're doing something uh, kind of cool with War of the Spark. It's pretty different than how we've, uh, we've done things before. It is. The important part for those competing in the Mythic Championship is that we are previewing every single card along the way from the mythic rares down to the commons. So what that means is uh, normally the last day of previews we have kind of a dump of uh, commons, maybe a couple uncommons. When the uh, full card image gallery is updated, you, there are a lot of holes that are getting. There are like 60 uh, to 80 yeah. cards that get added all in, all in one go. Not doing that this time. All War of the Spark previews are going to be happening all along a three week period. Uh, the first uh, weeks in March, April, April. first April week's in April. <laughs> April uh, is the month you're looking for. April like, is the month yeah. I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, so you will get a picture of the limited format as we go along. You'll yes, be seeing right. commons from day one 
all throughout. So you'll start, the, the limited format will start taking shape a lot earlier. Uh, so that's what's happening for the format. Now, um, we're also running a bit of a test at London. Yeah, we are, and this is a really exciting part here. We're actually testing out a new mulligan at this event. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's not news to me because we heard about it before the show. But I wanted the reaction. I wanted right. the reaction. So tell us about uh, the new mulligan rule that you're testing. Right. So first I'll explain how the mulligan works, and then we'll talk more about the motivation behind it and that sort of thing. Yep. So the way that it works is if you choose to take a mulligan, you always draw back up to seven cards. And then once you're satisfied with your seven-card hand and decide to keep it, you put a number of cards from your hand back on the bottom of your library equal to the number of times you mulliganed. Mm -hmm. So let me give you an example. So I draw my first seven-card hand, and I don't like it for whatever reason. I have no lands or whatever. I decide to take a mulligan. I shuffle my hand back into my library. I draw a new hand of seven cards, and this time I like it. I decide to keep so I put one card from my hand back on the bottom of my library and keep six. Okay. So you're still going down from seven to six to five and so on, but each time you're getting to look at seven new cards before you decide whether to keep and commit to that and then putting that number back on the bottom of your library. Okay, so the scry that we do now... No scrying anymore, okay. right. It's sort of like instead of keeping your hand and then looking at the top card of your library, you're getting to see all seven of those cards before you decide to keep your hand. Okay. So it's, it's more powerful than the current mulligan. Yeah. Uh, now, we, we said it was a test, so yeah, what, right. what are, what's going on there? Okay, so um, we realized that there are some possible risks with this uh, mulligan. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, things like a combo deck, you know, fishing for its, its combo pieces, getting to see more cards each time it mulligans, or looking for a particularly potent sideboard card. So if there are um, you know, sort of negative aspects of this mulligan, they're more likely to come up in non-rotating formats that have larger card pools and sort of more powerful combos available. So that's specifically why we want to test it at a, a competitive level event in modern. Okay. So this is kind of like the perfect opportunity to take a look at that. So will the mulligan rule be tested both in the modern portion and the limited portion? Yes, it will be. Yeah. Yep. And as well as testing it here at this event, we've been testing it internally for about four or five months now. Okay. And it's been playing great. We really love it. It's been playing great for our standard testing, our FFL testing. It's been playing great in limited. And we've gotten a lot of positive feedback from everyone who's sort of encountered it inside the building. Mm -hmm. And because we've built up that confidence and we're having a lot of fun with it, now we're ready to take the next step of testing it out sort of in a public domain in this competitive setting. What, where did the, um, the notion to change this ruler to update the mulligan come from? Right. So it's mostly just looking for opportunities to improve things on sort of like a system design type level. Mm -hmm. um, as we expand our organized play and our esports, uh, as well as gathering more data from Magic Online and from Magic Arena, um, this is just a great opportunity to take a look at those kind of higher level um, systems type things and see if there's areas for improvements. It's not so much that we're unhappy with the current mulligan, mm -hmm. just that we're looking for opportunities to make things play even better. Um, and some of the motivations here are, you know, from looking at that Magic Online and Arena data, uh, we've been finding that mulliganing is just a little bit too much of a penalty on your win percent compared to what we would, would want, want to have, um, you know, uh, ideally. Uh, and also we've had some, you know, high profile events like Luis Scott Vargas mulliganing to four in the finals mm -hmm. of a pro tour, right? So as we kind of expand our organized play and, and esports focus, we want to reduce the number of non-games that we have appearing at the competitive level where a player either mulligans to oblivion or has to keep a land with uh, a hand with few lands, so on and so on. Okay. And so we are, we're only testing this at this event, this, which is a tabletop event, by the Correct. way. Correct. Yeah, this is the Tabletop Mythic Championship London. Mm -hmm. And so we aren't, we aren't instituting this on 
Arena or Magic Online in the meantime or anything like that? Right, not in the meantime. If things go well at this event and we receive positive feedback from the community and from people who are playing in the event, then we'll look toward the next steps of when we'll actually set this in motion for Magic globally. Okay. I'm glad you mentioned feedback because I'm sure now that people have heard what the new Mulligan test is going to be, a lot of people are going to start testing uh, their right. decks with this new rule. Uh, you know, for people that want to give feedback on this new Mulligan rule, uh, either prior to the event, during or after, uh, you know, where should they go? Where should they go to give this feedback? Well, certainly any any competitor that's playing in the Mythic Championship, if they have contact at Wizards, um, you know, they're they're welcome to send along that feedback, and eventually it'll funnel into me. Blake, I think there might be an, an email that they can. Yeah, uh, if you are testing for the event and you want to um, provide feedback, so. Keep this if, if you're if you're involved in the actual event for London and doing testing for it. Uh, Premier Play at Wizards.com is a, a good email to use. Um, what so let's let's look at the two scenarios. Mm -hmm. What happens if the test goes well? What happens if the test doesn't go well? So if the test goes well, we get good feedback and things play out well at the event. We'd be looking to implement this uh, for all Magic formats, for all players, mm -hmm. somewhere around the release of M20 later this year. Okay. Um, details on that TBD, uh, depending on how things go. If things don't go well at the event, we receive negative feedback or the, the event doesn't play out well, then we'll kind of come back to the drawing board and look for either other alternatives or you know, maybe decide to stay with the status quo. Okay. Like I said earlier, this is less about fixing a particular problem that we have and more just looking for areas uh, to improve. And you know we're constantly evolving magic, constantly looking for ways to improve the game, and trying things out is part of that natural process. If we never try anything out, then we're you know we're leaving a lot on the table in terms of potential improvements. Yep. Um, if you have questions for Ian about the London formats, about the London Mulligan test, or anything along those lines, feel free to put them in chat. We will answer them. But you said something in there. Yep. That everyone's expecting, but. <laughs> We haven't, we haven't actually we haven't actually said it out loud. <laughs> you said you said M twenty. That's right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about those products that we're it, we're really just confirming that we're still doing these things. So uh, let's talk about the first one, which is M twenty, uh, which is actually Corset twenty twenty is the full name. Yep. M twenty is the three letter code. Corset twenty twenty is releasing July twelfth. Yes, we are still doing a corset this year. Mm -hmm. uh, they returned last year. Uh, went really well. This is your um, on-ramp set. This is a, a good set for uh, beginners or players who've just started playing. Uh, core sets are great for that. Uh, so Core Set 2020 releases July 12th in all languages that Magic releases in. Uh, and we're going to start previews for Core Set 2020 uh, in mid to late June. Yeah, and uh, corsets, corsets one of my favorite times of year. I love drafting corsets. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a lot of fun for me because I get to bring friends in that might not be as familiar with Magic or, uh, or just getting started with limited formats. It's yep. a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. I always find the corset kind of like a palate cleanser where it's kind of getting back to the basics and the fundamentals of Magic. So, yeah, I really enjoy it. It's always good. Uh, but don't not to worry, we also have another product for people that like other formats of Magic. That's right. Commander Players Commander is coming back for 2019. The Commander pre-constructed decks release August 23rd. There will be four decks uh, in English, Japanese, French, Italian, German, Spanish, Portuguese, and Russian. And we will be starting preview season for that in August, so yeah, keep think, an eye out for that. I think Russian is a new language. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I don't think we've done the Commander decks in Russian before. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so we're doing those again. 
Nobody's really surprised that we're but, doing but all those. All, but now you have dates. Now I was you actually know when asked when on when Twitter earlier them. today, when can I get a Commander 2019 preview? I was like, <laughs> technically we have not announced that set. Uh, but yeah, so we've got those two sets. Um, and then we've got another product announcement coming next, next week. week. So definitely next be week. sure to tune back in for that. Um, I don't see any questions so far about the London Mulligan rule, which means that mm -hmm. Ian has done a spectacular job uh, uh, explaining that. But Our let's. Twitch chat is on. We're getting Twitch chat changed over. Oh, okay. oh it's on sub only. It's on right sub now? only mode. Oh, I see. That makes more sense. Well, in that case, we're going to vamp for a while. while well, we <laughs> <laughs> well, no. What we can do is I, I do want to go back and talk a little bit about the uh, Mythic Championship as a pre-release because mm -hmm. that's a big deal because also what's happening is the uh, Magic Fest London happens alongside the Mythic Championship and the main event there is not it's not exactly a pre-release event it's six boosters rather than a pre-release pack but it's more or less a giant pre-release um, you guys have been playing for a long time mm -hmm. we used to have these yeah right yeah. yeah it used to be that pre-releases were like a regional event almost mm -hmm. I remember uh, when I was living in Boston like uh, renting out a university, you know, auditorium, and yep. hundreds of people would go there to play the pre-release, and those were just awesome events. A ton of energy in the room, and people seeing the cards for the first time. Just mm -hmm. a great experience. Yeah, when I um, when I lived in Iowa City, I would drive to Des Moines, the Des Moines Convention Center. Des Moines and in Iowa. It's for in those Iowa. Of you that are outside of the uh, outside of yeah. the United States. Uh, so I would drive there, and again, it was a giant pre-release, and that was back before stores got their individual pre-release. Right. So for people who remember those kind of events fondly, it's going to be a chance to do something like that. Yeah, it'll be a little bit different, though, in that uh, most people coming in will know the cards ahead of time. Yes. Uh, in the old days, when you would go to pre-release, you'd go blind. It, you wouldn't know anything about the set going in. Mm -hmm. You would actually be seeing the cards for the first time, yep. uh, which sometimes made it very difficult <laughs> to make a cohesive Magic deck uh, right. <laughs> and be able to understand exactly what the format was. But uh, it is a special experience getting to be in the room with that many people, mm -hmm. uh, really just figuring out together what the limited format looks like. And in like. terms of playing at the most competitive level at the Mythic Championship, there's a big difference between having seen the cards during preview season and actually having played a lot of the yep. format. Absolutely. So we're going to yeah. get to see the players kind of exploring the very initial stages of the format as opposed to, you know, uh, the the Mythic Championship this weekend. Uh, RNA has been out for quite a while. They yeah. ha they've had time to get their reps in, master the format, talk to each other. That won't be the case here, so it's going to be really exciting. Um, oh, we're getting questions. I now. feel so like, we're, I feel we're like sub only mode. We're gonna get to those. Off. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, before I get before I get to that, um, I did want to ask uh, what. Um, nope, I don't want to. We're, we're getting a ton <laughs> of questions. Let's skip it. All right. Uh, how Sorry, does, chat. How Sorry. does the new mulligan affect a card like serum powder? Mm. Right. So I'd have to actually look at the exact rules text of serum powder, but I think serum powder says. If it's in your opening hand and you could take a mulligan, then you can do this other action instead mm -hmm. and then continue to take mulligans afterwards. So I think it weaves in in exactly the same way that it weaves into the current mulligan system is my understanding. Okay. Uh, for those who missed it, can you give a quick recap of the mulligan rule? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so basically the way it'll work is each time you mulligan, you always draw back up to seven cards. Then once you're satisfied with your hand, you take a, a number of cards from your hand equal to the number of times you mulliganed mm -hmm. and put them on the bottom of your library in whatever order you choose. Okay. So say I, I end up mulliganing twice, I would be looking at a seven card hand. If I decide to keep it, then I'm putting two cards back and keeping the rest of the, the five cards in my hand. And yep. there is no longer any scry with no this scry. Yep. Test. Correct. Yeah. Yep. 
Uh, we're getting questions. Will the pre-release happen at the same time as the Mythic Championship? So yes, with the exception that in London, uh, the I think it's London or the UK, uh, pre-releases in stores will be able to take place a day earlier uh, so that there's uh, less of a conflict between the Grand Prix main event, which is a pre-release-like event. But not actually a pre-release. It doesn't have the pre-release packs, yeah. but, you know, six packs, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it will happen a day earlier in the UK, and then everywhere else it will happen uh, at the same time. I highly recommend having the Mythic Championship on in the background when you're playing. You, oh, can, yeah. you can watch, you know, what do the pros like, what are they playing, that sort of deal. Also worth keeping in mind is that, and this is what I was going to bring up earlier, um, <laughs> The War of the Spark releases early. There will be events early, earlier than the uh, paper pre-release on both Magic the Gathering Arena right. and Magic the Gathering Online. Yes. Yep. Uh, let's see. So, uh, any worries about the impact of the Mulligan rule on Eternal formats? It seems like Dredge is going to love this rule in Vintage. Yeah, fantastic question. I knew someone would bring up Vintage <laughs> Dredge. Um, it's absolutely something we're thinking about. Uh, as I said earlier, the reason that we're testing this at a modern Mythic Championship in particular is if anything goes wrong with this mulligan, it's more likely to go wrong in non-rotating formats. The more powerful the format, the more powerful the combos, that's where we might see things like um, you know, players fishing for a particular combination of cards. So that's on our radar. However, you know, like I said, we've been testing this internally in Standard and Limited for about four or five months now. We've been really happy with it. It's been playing great. And we believe this could be a great step in the right direction for Magic as a whole. So we'll be weighing the pros and cons of um, you know, metagame changes and potential dangers in the eternal formats versus the good this can do for Magic as a whole and then making an informed decision based on that. Yep. Yeah, there's always going to be different strengths and weaknesses to a mulligan rule in various different formats. Right, and, and it's absolutely the case that anytime you change a systems level thing like a mulligan, it will have an impact on the metagame to some degree. Mm -hmm. We're anticipating that, that metagame shift will be relatively small here in terms of what decks it favors over others, um, but we acknowledge that it does exist, and that's just kind of a natural course of, of making progress, right? Yep, absolutely. It's the reason why it's a test and not a hard and fast implementation. Exactly, yeah. and I, yeah. I will say that, you know, some of you guys may remember the um, Vancouver Mulligan that we mm -hmm. tested at Pro Tour Vancouver a couple years ago, and that went really well, and of course the community immediately adopted it. This one we think is also a, a great step in the right direction, but less of just a, a slam dunk, you yeah. know, you know all, all upside type change. Um, so, you know, we're considering it as a test, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Um, someone's asking, is there a description of the rule, the uh, Mulligan rule, somewhere on your website? There will be as soon as this show is over. Right. I'm gonna get off the show, I'm gonna push publish. And uh, you'll be able to look for it on dailymtg.com. I've uh, heard of that site. Can you say anything at all about the modern product? Yes, we're going to announce <laughs> it next week. Uh, at the end of February. At the end of February, <laughs> the very end of February. Um, and then there was a question about uh, what is the extent at which this will be applied to uh, Arena? Mm -hmm. uh, and what does that mean for other formats coming to Arena? So let's let's focus on that first. What uh, this what is it, referring to the Mulligan, the I Mulligan aspect, right. yeah, yeah. So if we decide to move forward with this, it'll be a change for all of Magic that mm -hmm. includes all formats in tabletop, as well as on Magic Online and on Arena. And I've been working closely with those folks. They're aware that we're testing this out, and they'll be prepared to you know to implement it in those digital formats um, whenever we're ready to, if we decide to. Yep, absolutely. Uh, but, but again, to to reiterate, this is this is a test. This is a mulligan yeah. test, right? Not something that's going to be implemented immediately. 
Right. Uh, this is a one-time thing for now at uh, Mythic Championship London. Right, so the, the, yeah, the flow will event. be, we tested at Mythic Championship London, it's not being tested or used anywhere else in the meantime, mm -hmm. and if that goes well and we decide to move forward with it, we'll set a date to kind of set it live in all environments at the same time. Yep. Um, there was a question, just a clarif clarification question. The cards that go to the bottom of your library or are they shuffled back in? Uh, they go to the bottom of the library. And in, in the order of your choice. In the order of your choice, yep. okay. Uh, do, 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 do. What else? Lots of questions. Um, so more questions about uh, Vintage Dredge, mm -hmm. everyone's favorite deck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how, so the, que the question, I'll, I'll give the specific question they asked and mm -hmm. then ask more about the philosophy that you guys would have. Right. Uh, how fast, if this rule was implemented, mm -hmm. uh, magic wide, how fast would you restrict Bazaar of Baghdad in Vintage. I guess the question is, are you willing to revisit the BNR lists with this new mulligan rule in mind? Short answer is yes, we're willing to revisit it. Mm -hmm. um, I always, always hesitate you know, to predict that anything will happen or say that certain cards are on a watch list, which doesn't exist, by the way. <laughs> uh, anything along that, those lines. What I can say is that we will observe, if we decide to, to implement this mulligan, we will observe how it changes the metagames. And if we need to, um, you know, we'll, we'll take a look at the BNR lists um, and maybe make some changes there. Um, that being said, you know, when I talked earlier about weighing the pros and cons of, you know, if this is positive for magic in general, but maybe makes certain cards or decks problematic, that's something we're going to weigh against mm -hmm. each other, right? Like, if there's one particular deck or one particular card that's a problem, that's something that we would probably observe how it plays out in the real world and maybe make a change to a BNR list. If there's a whole, you know, systemic problem of, you know, dozens and dozens of cards or many, many decks that are a problem in modern or in legacy or in vintage, um, you know, we'll weigh that obviously much more heavily against making a change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see. So here, here's a question, um, and again, I'll give you the specific question, and then maybe you can more talk about the philosophy mm -hmm. of taking feedback. Uh, let's say halfway through the uh, Mythic Championship, it's clear that one or two decks abuse this change mm -hmm. so bad it's ruining the event. Would you change it back mid-Mythic Championship? If So, so mid-Mythic Championship, no. Whatever mm -hmm. the rules are, you know, going into the event, those are going to be the rules. Yep. If in advance of the event, it was abundantly clear that, you know, there was going to be a major disaster, we would absolutely, you know, come back and discuss that and decide if we wanted to make a change. We, again, we don't think that's likely. We've been testing this for many, many months now. We have high confidence in it. So when I say this is a test or an experiment, that doesn't mean a lack of confidence in it. Mm -hmm. It just means it's actually an experiment. We're going to see how things go, and we're going to gather feedback, and we're going to react to that feedback. Okay. So it would take a very, very extreme case for us to pull back on, on testing this in the Olympic Championship. Okay. Uh, is there a chance that the rule would be applied to some formats, but not all of them? No, that is something that we discussed, but ultimately we decided if we want to make this change, it's going to be a change for all of Magic, not for particular formats. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, now, this is something you and I had discussed earlier, but this was not the only different right. mulligan you had, you had uh, discussed. Yeah. What were some of the other things that were on the table? Yeah, so this has kind of been an ongoing discussion for maybe six months or even more now, um, and we did explore other alternatives. Some examples of things we explored were um, going from seven to six, then scry one, just mm -hmm. like the current mulligan. But then if you mulligan again, you go to six, but don't scry. Mm -hmm. And then if you mulligan again, you go to five and scry one, and then mulligan and go, again and go to five and so on. Um, and that mulligan, we also explored um, pairing that with, you can only mulligan a certain number of times. So perhaps you get to mulligan down to five and then you would have to stop in that case. Um, we got a lot of negative feedback internally from any kind of 
um, having to stop at a certain point, yep. um, just like a psychological thing, even though the mulligan that I just described is more powerful than the current live Vancouver mulligan, um, people really reacted negatively to, you know, I don't want to be forced to stop at a certain time. So that's one example. Um, there were, you know, several others that we, we tried out as well. Um, but ultimately, the one that I've described here on the stream today is the one that we think works the best and that we've been testing and having really good results with. Okay. Um, okay, we've got a couple just kind of cleanup questions that I'll answer real quick. Uh, challenger deck lists next month. We're going to have those next month. They're sweet. But, uh, yeah, they're, those, those will show in March. Um, uh, how much testing did you guys do with uh, things like ley lines or any starting hand uh, effects? Yeah, it's, it's mostly been a theory crafting type of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, it, we don't do a ton of, of modern and backward um, testing in internally just because you know we're more focused on how our new sets are impacting standard and so on and the modern card pool, card pool is enormous. Yep. Um, so we've basically gotten to the point through theory crafting, through moderate play testing and through play testing of, of standard and, and limited that we have high confidence in this but we know that ultimately we need to really put it under the fire of a competitive stage um, to really test it out in those types of environments. Mm -hmm. um, and ley lines are absolutely something that we're thinking about there. You know I mentioned before um, mulliganing aggressively to potent sideboard cards like a Leyline of the Void or a Rest in Peace or Stony, Stony Silence. Mm -hmm. Those are the types of things that we're going to be looking for how often they're actually happening at the Mythic Championship and how players are reacting to that. Okay. If you were playing in Mythic Championship London, what deck would you play? Ooh, that's a, that's a, a great question. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't really have a, a great answer to that right now. I think were, were you a modern explore. player before you started? Uh, so I actually joined Wizards like right around the time Modern was launching. So okay. I never really got to experience it organically as a competitive player in the real world. Yeah. Now I have played a ton of Modern since that time, um, but I don't keep up with it as much as I'm thinking about you know standard and the FFL and things like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, what about you? What would you bring? Uh, cruel control. I, the deck, I'm the so deck, surprised. The deck's not <laughs> so surprised. The deck, the deck's time has passed it by. There was a time where I could reliably cast Cruel Ultimatum in Modern. There was an F and M, uh, maybe a little over a year ago, mm -hmm. where um, I went five and zero or something with Cruel Control. I had one game where I won on the fifth uh, turn of after time had been called by casting two cruel ultimatums in the same <laughs> turn the game it, it was against uh jun deck and it just gone that long um and it's just it's my deck yeah and that's you know that's one of the advantages of modern is you just kind of play your deck um uh but i also i haven't played the format in a while so mm -hmm. it, it seems like things like arclight phoenix are really bad for that style of play sure sure uh hollow one is you know i i've got terminates and um, damnations and stuff like that, but it's 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 very it's it's a different format than it was when I was casting Cruel Ultimatum. Sure, yeah, definitely believe that. One deck that, that has caught my eye recently is there's been a resurgence of the uh, Amulet Titan decks. Yep, yeah. I think with the um, what's the dinosaur from Rivals where uh, you get an extra land drop each turn. Yep, yeah. So that deck looked cool. Yep. Uh, let's. Anything else? Uh, Mythic Championship qualification news. So we did that yesterday, actually. Uh, so I've seen a couple questions in chat about it. If you want to know about how to qualify for Mythic Championships, uh, there's a couple ways to do it. Just, you can just go to dailymtg.com. That article is still on the front page right now. You can click on the archive as well to see anything that we've published over the last few days. 
Um, but also, if you want specific information on how to qualify for the Mystic Championship, magic.wizards.com slash challenger. That will take you directly to the article that lays out all the ways to qualify. The short version of how to qualify for Mythic Championships is you can qualify on Tabletop, you can qualify in Magic Online, and you can qualify uh, through Arena, which is new. Uh, tabletop, it's basically the old PTQ system, if you were familiar with that, that, if you remember yeah. that. Basically, play in a Mythic Championship qualifier when you're qualified. Uh, Magic Online has its own system uh, that's been going on for a while. Kind of a similar similar thing. Playing a Mythic Championship qualifier win. There's also the MOCS, which awards invites as well. That's M-O-C-S. M-O-C-S. <laughs> uh, and then for Magic the Gathering Arena, this is a new system where uh, for each uh, Magic the Gathering Arena Mythic Championship, of which there are three, uh, we will hold a specific uh, Magic Championship qualifying weekend. And during that weekend, if you finish that particular season ranked in the top 1,000 on the Mythic rankings, you'll get an invite to this tournament. You win enough on Saturday, you'll get invited to Sunday. And then the Sunday will play in a bracketed or a Swiss-style tournament. Uh, and then the top 16 in that tournament will earn invites to the appropriate Mythic Championship. Yes. Uh, but all those details are online, so definitely check that out. Uh, da, 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 other questions? Portal app still on hold. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. Will the modern product have any impact on Mythic Championship London? Come back next week, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you don't have, don't, don't even Every, think about all that. All the information that you're going to need to know about the, the yeah. new product that we're, we're announcing next week, you should come next week because yep. that's when we're going to uh, talk about Question it. from Randy Bueller. We know him. All right. I've heard you, of him. Do you have to finish in the top 1,000 or just hit top 1,000 at any point? You have to finish, finish. that particular season in the top 1,000. <clears> yep. Um, boy, more the questions are just streaming in and... Getting more. We kind of talked about this at the beginning, mm -hmm. but um, some people weren't here at the beginning. So uh, the question we got was, what was the issue with the Vancouver Mulligan to bring about this change? But basically, what were you trying to address with this? Right, test? so it's not that there's a particular problem with the Vancouver Mulligan. Mm -hmm. It's more just us looking for opportunities to kind of improve and smooth things. The thing in particular was that... Um, in looking at Magic Online and Arena data and, and gathering feedback from players, we were feeling like the current mulligan system is just a little bit more punishing on a player's win percent if they have to take a mulligan than yep. we would prefer. So we're looking for something just a little bit stronger in the player's favor um, to kind of dampen that a little bit if you do have to take a mulligan. Yep. Um, and then the second thing is just having, having more kind of control and agency of uh, seeing more cards when you decide to keep your hand, right? With the current Vancouver Mulligan, I'm only looking at six cards when I decide whether to keep my six card hand, then I'm scrying afterwards after I make that choice. This is similar to that, except I'm seeing in the case where I've mulliganed once, I'm seeing seven cards before I decide whether to keep or not, and then I have the choice of any of those seven to put on the bottom mm -hmm. rather than just the one that happens to be on the top of my library. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Here's a procedural question. When would putting the cards back take place, for example, in relation to ley line effects? Ah. So opening mm -hmm. hand effects, if you yeah. have any of those, 
when do those take place? That would take place after the mulligan. Just after, just like after the card goes on the bottom. Right. right. Uh, we've so had putting cards on the bottom is, a, is the process of the mulligan, not just right. So you complete yeah. that whole process. You put whatever cards back on the bottom that you need to, and then you can do beginning of game yep. type effects. And we've been talking about this for a while, so I want to re-emphasize in the middle of all of this. This is going to be a test. Right. This is not the r new rule going forward. Mm -hmm. If you guys want at home play with it, you know, send us feedback, great. We're happy to hear it, mm -hmm. um, but it's not the official rule yet. We're testing it at Mythic Championship one, right. and only for Mythic Championship one, and not the Grand Prix, That's not correct. any of the That's side events yep. at so Magic only be Only be in the Mythic Championship. Only in the Mythic Championship. Both in the limited portion and in the modern portion. Yep, and then we'll come back and Ian and team will look at it, mm -hmm. look at the data, uh, look at the feedback we've received, right. and uh, make a, a determination. And yeah, point. I do want to emphasize that. Even though we're testing it at the event with the Mythic Championship competitors, Part of what we're looking at in that test is, is also the feedback that we're getting from, from all of you, from the community, from the spectators of the event. We're going to be taking all that into consideration. So any feedback you all have, whether you're playing in the Mythic Championship or not, mm -hmm. we'd love to hear it. Yeah. Um, to, 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 I think that covers all the questions we have. Again, if you have, um, if you're not if you want to see the exact wording on the rule, if you want to learn more about it, uh, after this stream is over, head to dailymtg.com, uh, an article talking about London, both the mulligan test and the format, which is? Uh, so limited format yep. is War of the Spark. Yep. Um, that's sort of like a pre-release for War of the Spark in War a way. War of the Spark draft. Yep. Draft, that's right. Yes. And the constructed format is modern, but not using War of the Spark cards for uh, card availability purposes. Yep. yep. So we'll have information on that, information on the London Mulligan, and also the products we kind of quietly announced in the middle of this, which, which are, are more confirmations, yeah. again. Core 2020. Core 2020 and, and Commander 2019. Uh, we did get a question that was kind of funny, why... Why is the core set named for the next year, and why is Commander named for the current year? You know, life is full of little mysteries. <laughs> it really is. Um, I actually know the answer to that. Uh, <laughs> it's because um, core set uh, tends to stay on shelves through its life cycle in standard, mm -hmm. which means that by the time 2020 actually comes around before core set 2021 is released, you will find the core set on shelves. If you walk into a store and you see Corset 2019, the assumption is, oh, that's no good anymore if it's 2020. Mm -hmm. And so um, to avoid players believing that the set was no longer legal in 2020, that's why the naming was a year ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, with Commander, that's less of a concern. Most people don't even refer to it as Commander 2019. They refer to it as Commander and the specific deck. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's why it's named that way. It does make a little bit of sense, even when putting them next together looks kind of really weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let me check Corset 2021 confirmed. Sure. <laughs> so, all right. We are, I think that covers all of the questions that we can answer for this one. Uh, coming up, we have a 10-minute preview video from Cleveland of Mythic Championship 1. So, Rich Hagon, Maria Bartoli, Paul Chion, the whole crew, they're going to show you what is happening right now at Cleveland, give you a little bit of a preview of what the weekend's going to hold. Uh, don't forget that coverage starts tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time. So 6 a.m. Pacific. 6 a.m. Pacific, and then if you're elsewhere in the world, you'll have to do the math. And that's on twitch.tv. Yeah, this channel that you're watching right now. Uh, and 
Uh, but before we go, next week we have a big yes. Big, so let's talk a little bit about next week. That I will not be here for, and I'm he's not going to be sad. here. We're kicking him out. That's true. Uh, there's not enough room on the couch. There's not because no. I'm going to have three guests. Uh, what's going to happen is we're going to announce a really cool product. What's uh, we call the innovation skew mm -hmm. for the year. So in the past, the innovation skew has been things like uh, Battle Bond conspiracy, those those types of things, which have been really cool sets. Uh, this is another. Uh, uh, set kind of along those lines, uh, but it's one that modern players are going to want to pay attention to. We're going to have Cassius Marsh in the studio. We're going to have Matt Nass, who's known for his modern prowess in the studio. Uh, and Mark Hagen from Inside the Building is going to be in here to talk. He was a, what we call an architect of that set. So uh, they're going to talk about that product next week so you'll definitely want to tune in for that but in the meantime stay tuned for a preview of mythic championship london or sorry mythic championship to cleveland, cleveland right. <laughs> uh which is happening this weekend thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll see you next week take care Hello everyone, welcome to Mythic Championship Cleveland. With me, your host, Rich Hagen, co-host Maria Bartholdi, and from inside R&D, Mr. Paul Chion. Welcome to our preview. It's Thursday. Behind us, the players are getting ready for the first Mythic Championship, indeed ever, at the start of 2019. Can't wait to bring it to you, Paul. What are you looking forward to, my friend? Uh, I'm looking forward to Standard. Now, Standard's been around for a few weeks, but it still feels like it hasn't been solved. There's an endless combination of decks. If you want to play monocolored aggro decks, there's three or four different decks you can play. If you want to play a guild, you can do that. If you want to play three colors, you can do that. And you know, I've talked to some teams about the decks that they're going to play, and oftentimes it was just the strategy that you think that they would play. Maria, I know that you love Limited. How are you finding Ravnica Allegiance? I mean, it's awesome, Rich. All of the color pairs are viable, especially if you're the only person at the table drafting, say, the Gates deck or the really aggressive Rakdos deck. But there's one deck in particular that I'm looking forward to. You could say that I'm on high alert for it, if you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I won't and wouldn't. <laughs> okay. Oh, sure. Um, so, yeah. So, why don't we uh, show you the schedule. Show you the schedule. My word. Should have rehearsed that one. Maria, what does it look like? Okay, so of course we're going to kick things off with Booster Draft on Friday for rounds one through three. And then of course it is Standard Constructed for rounds four through eight. So players bringing a deck from home and playing in the Standard portion. Saturday, same thing once again. Booster Draft, Standard Constructed. And then Sunday is our cut to our top eight. Right. All over Seattle, the sound of piggy, brank, piggy banks breaking have been heard over the last few months. We've got some serious cash being given away in 2019. Here is the prize payout here at MC Cleveland, $50,000 to the winner. And even if we get, we, we added that bottom line, that 501st, because you know what, it's going to be a huge Mythic Championship here. And you get $500 as long as you get through the tournament. So you just turn up and play. That is the reward, even if you don't do terribly well, but a lot of money in between, 50,000 to the winner. Now, points. This is where things get a little bit interesting because we're sort of, we've sort of got a bit of an exchange rate thing going on, different currencies going on. Fundamentally, Paul, um, we've got two different things. We've got pro points, which is what we've had forever and ever and ever, amen. Right. And mythic points, 
moving forward. Yeah, so Mythic Points, the reason why we came up with Mythic Points, this is basically a reimagining of what our current Pro Point system is. But moving forward, we needed a different system to basically be able to keep track of a leaderboard to also try to mitigate ties at the end of the year because now we're only looking to count uh, your performances at the Mythic Championship. So we needed to come up with a slightly different point structure. But at the end of the day, it's very similar to kind of what we have for our Pro Point structure. Win matches, pick up points, and uh, you know that's going to set you up for the future. Yeah, and we have seven Mythic Championships to bring you. There's the Invitational at PAX, there's the World Championship, four Tabletop Mythics, and three Digital Mythics over the course of a really exciting 2019 season. All right, well, Tim and Riley are standing by to give us a deeper dive and a look at Draft. The Draft format we're kicking things off for this weekend. We've got Ravnica Allegiance, and quietly, I'm pretty excited. This is a format where Players have had a little bit of a chance to explore. They've had a bit of a chance to f figure out what they like in this format. And by and large, they seem to like a whole lot of stuff. All of the guilds in this format have some play to them. Personally, I kind of like the blue ones, but I've, I've had players telling me they like Rakdos. I've had players telling me they like Gruul decks. All of these decks have merit, and that's before you start exploring all of the other options. And there are a lot of other options to explore. There are a lot of niche archetypes in this format that we don't typically see in limited formats. Uh, often if you, you, know, you bust open your pack, you find some build around uncommon, you know, obviously the Gates deck is the, the classic example of this, something like a Gatebreaker Ram, uh, Gates Ablaze, and you're like, right, I'm jumping into this. But, you know, other cards like High Alert, you know, these, these build around some rares, even some mythics, they, they, they kind of instruct you how to build the deck around them, and you can come up with some real, real interesting decks, especially when other people kind of realize what you're up to, and they're just like, oh, yep, okay, you're the, this guy's to my right. He's drafting the Gates deck. I'm going to let him have it. And uh, I mean, we and, and what we're going, to, we're going to see this weekend because we're so late in the format is the best version of all of these decks, right? Yeah, these guys, they've had a chance to get a feel for exactly what the things are that make these decks tick. It's not just going to be a matter of working on the fly. When they see a key card that they like, they can really leverage that extra level of experience that they have and work on it. And to be honest, if, it, if we were looking at this being two, three weeks into the format, we might expect to see straightforward two-color guild decks. And that's fine. That's lovely. If that's what you're drafting, there's some very powerful decks in that way. But I'm looking forward to seeing three-color decks. I'm looking forward to seeing people picking up a gate early just so they can get that nice splash. There's a lot going on in this format. I fully expect to see all the tricks from it this weekend. Thanks very much to Tim and Riley. Now, when a new set comes out, we're always looking to see on coverage, what's the new standard look like? Is it going to be a good format? And when Ravnica Allegiance came out, it looked like it was going to be tremendous. And all the pros were going, this is fantastic. I can't wait to play this at the Pro Tour. And then we all just crossed our fingers and went, hopefully it's still okay. It hasn't been solved. It hasn't degenerated into just one or two super decks. Good news. Fingers crossed turned out to work. This is a great standard. And to tell you more about it, here's Marshall and Simon. Thank you, Rich. So, Simon, normally by the time we have a Mythic Championship, the set's just come out. It's brand new. In this case, it's actually been out for a while. Where's the metagame at now? Well, I would want to tell you that, but I honestly don't know. Uh, mm. There are so many That's decks good news, that are way. still viable. <laughs> and uh, then at some tournament, you have four is a Drake's List in the top eight. And then at, at another, it's all Esper and Grindy decks, maybe Wilderness Reclamation combo. So Wide Open is, is definitely the, the story of the weekend. Uh, anything new? You know, this format, we've had some tournaments already played, you know, uh, that we have some results to look at coming into this one. Has there any, been anything uh, recent that's caught your eye? So... 
I think it's more like the subtle things. Mm. We have uh, blue splashes in, in White Weenie, so that's Azorius aggro for you. We have black and green splashes in Mono Red. And of course, uh, Gruul. For me, one of the decks that is really putting on a really good showing. So many powerful cards, and no matter if you're playing aggro or mid-range or control, it's always scary to play against these Gruul hasty creatures. What would you play? Uh, I would play Wilderness Reclamation, probably uh, in a Simic Nexus shell. Ooh, I like your style. All right, let's send it back to the news desk. Thanks so much. Well, this isn't only an individual event, of course. There's also the Mythic Championship Team Series to worry about, and Brian David Marshall is here to break it all down. Thanks, Maria. I'm here to talk about the recently retronymed Mythic Championship Team Series, and of course, this is still going to use the old pro point system that Rich was talking about earlier to determine which of these teams will play in the finals of the team series. More prize money at the end of the year. And you can take a look at our top 16 teams here. We've got a little bit of a dark horse team at the top of the standings, Team Cardboard Live. That team is led by the last Pro Tour champion, Andrew Ellenbogen, uh, a big part of that team's uh, surge to the top of the standings. They're a little bit handicapped going into the rest of the year because they don't have full access to their team. Not everyone's qualified, but I talked to Andrew and he's like, yeah, no big deal. One of us will win another PT and we'll stay on top uh, as we go through this year. Um, the four finalists from the last two Pro Tour team series, all sort of conspicuous by their presence or absence in one case. You see Team Musashi uh, back near the top of the standings, one of the great Japanese super teams with uh, Hall of Famers and Grand Prix champions. Um, Really exciting to see them back at the top of the standings after a disappointing second year in the uh, team series. Of course, Team Ultimate Guard Pro Team and KMC Genesis, two teams. Uh, Ultimate Guard won it last year. Um, Musashi had won it in the first year playing against Genesis. Ultra, Ultimate Guard and Genesis are teamed up. That house was so stacked. It feels like half of the Magic Pro League was staying in that house. But between the two squads, it was just, it's just unbelievable. Really can't wait to see what they do. And, uh, you know, talking to Seth Manfield, he really hopes that the finals of this Pro Tour Team Series could be played at that kitchen table, right? Like, he's hoping that it's just one of their drafts. Uh, so choose. Uh, but missing on this list in this top 16 is How Are You, You Latin? They had kind of disappointing uh, last Pro Tour, you know, first Pro Tour of the uh, Team Series. And they're all the way down in 28th place. And Maria... They're just behind a team that you have a little bit of a vested interest in. So um, good luck, high five in the team series to you. <laughs> Thanks, BDM. I'm pulling for my boys out there. Right, and Craig Wesco is going to be here. That's and he's right. recently announced that he's moving away from the game full time to pursue ministry and, and so on. So, um, you know, uh, thoughts and prayers, as it were, um, to Craig Wesco and the rest of the GLHF team. <laughs> Thank you, Rich. For, for Thank sure. you. Well, you've got 32 members of the Magic Pro League. You've got 450 challenges or maybe even more trying to knock them off their perch. Six rounds of draft, 10 rounds of standard and a top eight on Sunday. You know what? It's going to be epic. It's going to be legendary. It's going to be mythic. We'll see you tomorrow.